Good morning, Maple Grove. Good morning, Maple Grove. All right, a little bit better, a little bit better. Hey, I, I, I really like that song we, we just sang there. You know, God of my present, God of my future, you write my story, you hold it all together. As a matter of fact, we, we sang it this uh, past Wednesday at youth group, and uh, there's a young man that, um, named Zion. He's a senior in high school, and uh, tough family situation, and he's having to, to move in with his grandparents, and when we sat in group, he talked about the song, and how that song encouraged him, even though he's facing a difficult time and not sure all what's going on. It's not the story he would write, but just that song reminded him that, no, it's not people, it's not circumstances that are writing our story, but it's God who's writing our story, and, and that applies to you and I as well, right? Uh, don't let your circumstances you know, uh, don't let difficulties write your story. Uh, let God be the one uh, who writes your story. Amen? Amen? Good news right there. Hey, I want to begin our time this morning by looking at an event that's recorded in 2 Kings chapter 7. Uh, now, as this chapter opens up, the king of Aram, uh, Ben-Hadad, has brought his entire army to lay siege on the city of Samaria. And Samaria at the time was, it was capital of the the northern kingdom. If you remember, after Solomon died, the, uh, the kingdom divided in two. You had the northern kingdom, which became called Israel, that had ten tribes. And you had the southern king that became known as Judah, that had two tribes. And, and so this king has surrounded the city. He's laid siege to it, and there becomes a, a massive famine. Food was scarce. People were starving. And as the famine grew worse and worse, we meet four lepers who are outside the city gate. <laughs> no, at chapter 7. <laughs> and obviously, us old guys, me and Mike do that in youth group all the time. Us old guys, I have my phone on, it starts reading things. Anyhow, um, sorry Mike to call you out like that, but that's Mike Drew, my compadre. Okay, so as this, we have four lepers outside the gate. Everybody's starving in the city. So obviously no one is tossing food over the wall to them. And so 2 Kings chapter 7, beginning at verse 3. Now there were four men with leprosy outside the entrance of the city gate. They said to each other, why stay here until we die? If we say we'll go into the city, the famine is there and we'll die. If we stay here, we will die. So let's go over to the camp of the Arameans and surrender. If they spare us, we live. If they kill us, we die. At thus they got up and went to the camp of the Arameans. And when they reached the edge of the camp, it was completely empty. No one was there. You see, during the night, God caused a great panic uh, to come across the camp with sounds of chariots and sounds of an approaching army. And so they panicked and left and left everything there. And so these lepers show up, and they're like, party on, right? I mean, they are eating, and they're, they're drinking, and they're carrying off large, large amounts of silver and gold. I mean, let the good times roll. I mean, imagine, right? You've been starving, thinking you're going to die, and now you have all the food you can want and all the riches you could ever imagine. But as they lay there rubbing their now full bellies, a thought suddenly came to them. Then they said to each other, verse 9, what we are doing, someone say what we are doing. 
is not right. Oh, you can say that too. <laughs> Man, someone really wants to participate with me today. That makes me happy. Okay? If what we're doing is not right. This is the day of good news. And we're keeping it to ourselves. If we wait until daylight, punishment will overtake us. Let's go at once and report this to the royal palace. So they went and called out to the city gatekeeper and told them, we went to the camp of the Arameans and no one was there, not a sound of anyone, only tethered horses and donkeys and the tents left just as they were. The gatekeeper shouted the good news and as we reported within the palace. What we are doing is not right. Uh, this is a day of good news and we're keeping it to ourselves. And they said, hey, if we wait until daylight, Punishment will overtake us. Heavenly Father, we humbly come into your presence. And, and God, I pray that today your word will speak to us. God, I, I pray that we'll realize that we have good news to share. And God, that if we feast on that good news and enjoy that good news of our freedom and our salvation, our deliverance and our redemption and our hope, and we fill our bellies, spiritual bellies with that, but we keep it to ourselves, it's not right. And so God, I pray today that you move on in us so that we will share your truth with the world who needs you. And God, help me to speak your word in a way that brings you honor and glory. Help me not to get in the way. And God, please forgive me for my sins, for there are many. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we're in chapter 10 of our verse by verse by verse by verse by verse study of Matthew's gospel. It's a section that is known as Jesus' mission discourse. And listen, as Matthew puts pen to paper in chapter 10, we find Jesus telling his guys, hey, John, James, Andrew, Peter, Matthew, Simon, it's time to go. It's time to get started. It's time to be sent out. It's time for you to begin fulfilling your mission. Listen, you guys have been with me for about a year. You have seen me, heard me, watched me, and now it's time for you to go out for me. And listen, as we have unpacked this mission discourse, we found that even though these are instructions to specific guys, the twelve on a specific occasion that nevertheless there are principles that apply to us today as we go out on our mission for Jesus. To share Christ, to share the good news with the world that so desperately needs him. And we've uncovered six of those principles so far. It's time to go principle number one is going, sharing the good news is an answer to the prayer of Jesus, right? Harvest is great, plant, the workers are few, ask God to send harvesters out in the harvest field. So when we go, we're actually becoming an answer to the prayer of Jesus. Principle number two, going is our calling. See, like the apostles, we too have been sent. Number three, going with others is essential. When Jesus sent them out, he sent them out two by two. Number four, uh, going does not require that you be a superstar, that you be a rock star, right? Because none of the 12 were superstars at all, just a bunch of ordinary guys. And those principles we looked at uh, back on August the 6th, and then last week we looked at two more principles. And the, the first one is, number five is, uh, we've been sent out with instructions. 
Matthew 10, 5 reads, Jesus sent the 12 out with the following instructions. Remember we said last week that the Greek word that is translated as instruction is a very, is a very uh, comprehensive and layered word. It's a word for a military command. We don't have any choice but to obey. It's a, it's a word for legal obligation, like being summoned to court. We have no choice but to respond. And it's a word for medical prescription, uh, like doctor's instructions after you had surgery. If you want to get well, if you don't want to do the surgery again, you need to do it this way. And listen, uh, this word captures the three offices of Jesus. He is the commander, he is the judge, and he is a great physician. If we want to follow orders, if we want to get well, if we want to be acquitted, we need to do it this way. And understand, Jesus is not giving a, a, a bunch of uh, suggestions. You know, these instructions are a divine command from the ruler and king of the universe. Get it? Good. It's not an optional, right? Verse number six, we've been sent out to the lost, beginning where we already are. You know, I, I think we can really complicate the idea of mission, and we kind of think that, hey, we're called to reach everyone in the world. Now, God does want to reach everyone in the world, and kind of the way that happens is when his followers begin to share the gospel, the good news, where they already are. Like when we begin to share that good news with our, our family, with our friends, with our coworkers, with our neighbors, with our classmates. And, and last Sunday, I encouraged everyone to do just that. To begin going to the lost where they already are. And I encourage everyone to begin focusing on just one person. Not the exclusion of others, but not like if, okay, I'm zeroed on this person to share the gospel and someone else comes up, hey, sorry, you're not the one, I can't share with you. No, no. You know, but you focus on one person that God has already placed in your life. And then I asked everybody if they would grab their cell phones. If you didn't do it last week, you can do it this week. If you, take out your cell phone if you weren't here last week or you didn't do it last week. And you go, I want you to go to your clock. And I'm going to have to walk you through it. I'm not going to pretend this is not died on me. This has died on me, right? You know, and you need to be plugged into God, right? You know, that's like our life, right? You know, if you're not connected to God, eventually your battery's going to die. So I'm not even going to fake like I'm going through it, right? Because I can't. But go to your clock. And then you, I want you to go to your alarms. And then a little plus sign, create a new one. And then you can set a time. Like last week I said, set your time for 3.16 p.m. I heard some people set it and it went off in meetings. So, it could, okay, so anytime you want, right? But set an alarm. And, and then I asked you to, to name that alarm where you would put, you can, there's a thing that says label. And you could put John 3.16 and then put that person's name. And, and then you would choose a sound. And some of you think, oh, that's kind of silly. Is it? Like, is getting a daily reminder to pray for that person, is that silly? I mean, do you think that if every day that goes, it's alarm, right? When alarm goes off, it's, it's urgent, right? I need to wake up. I need to go to that meeting. That alarm says, hey, this is urgent. This person does not know God. 
This person does not know Jesus. I need to pray for them. And, and so I, I want to encourage you, go ahead. You can choose your sound now. I love that sound. You know, and, and, but set your alarm. And, and if you've done this, you know, I, I sent out an email, and, and I, I did have a whole lot of people respond. But if you've done this and you're praying for your one, I want you to, you can email, email me at steveatthegrowseville.org or you can uh, send me a text at 434-284-1057 to say, hey, I'm doing this. And they commit, hey, for the next, there's only 131 days left in this year. And to say, hey, for the next 131 days, every day, I'm going to pray for this person. You know, I, I, my one, his name is Paul, you know, and, and sometimes I don't know why my alarm's going off. Oh, wait a second, it's, I got to pray for, I look at, oh, pray for Paul, you know, and I'm praying that this week that I'll run into him as he's walking his dog, and I'll walk my dog, and I'll say, hey, you know, do you want to go grab coffee? You want to go grab lunch, right? So this week I'm praying for an opportunity, because I haven't seen him in a while. He could be traveling. He does that a lot, but God, give me an opportunity when I, when I see Paul for me to Take the initiative to say, hey, do you want to grab coffee? you want to grab lunch sometime? And so I want to encourage you to do that. And, and maybe a pray, pray a prayer like this. And, and here's a prayer I, I kind of put together last week. And, and you know, I'm going to ask us to pray this after I say three. But does, raise your hand if you already know who your one is. Okay? All right? And if you don't know who your one is, begin praying for your one. Right? If you don't know who they are, begin praying for them. And because uh, if, if you want to see a difference made in this church, this is it, right? You know, if every single one of us, does anybody know anybody? Raise your hand if you know anybody that does not know Jesus right now. Raise your hand, okay? That's all of us, right? You know, uh, if we don't, we need to get out more, right? And, and uh, what if we all prayed this prayer? Do you think God wants to answer it? You know, would that make a difference in the kingdom and in our church? Absolutely, right? So, would it make a difference in their lives? Absolutely, it would, okay? And so, here's the prayer. After I say three, one, two, three. Lord, I pray that you will give me the wisdom, the opportunity, the courage, and the urgency to know when and what to say so that Paul will come to know your love and surrender to you as their Lord and Savior. In your name, amen. Awesome, awesome. Okay, that's where we've been in this mission discourse. And these instructions. And this divine command from our Lord and Savior. And listen, we cannot talk about this stuff enough. So I am more than okay with reviewing this again and again and again and again. Because if we do not follow these instructions and go out, what's the point? Like, like what's the point of being a cook who doesn't cook? Being a writer who doesn't write? Being a singer who doesn't sing? Uh, being a musician who, who doesn't play? Like, what's the point? Like, if we're not going to do our main thing, then what's the point, Right? But if we get this in the next several weeks, as, I, as together we pound ourselves with, the, with our urgency to pray for one, to reach out to one person, right? God will do some great things, and, and God will be pleased. Amen? Now, this morning, we're going to unpack Matthew chapter 10, 7 through 15. 
Actually, I'm going to read the whole text. We're not going to get through the whole thing. I thought I'd get through the whole thing. I'm going to get two verses this week, you know. I thought I had more time, but I didn't. Um, that's how it goes. All right, let's do this. Matthew chapter 10. We're just going to do the first two verses. I'll read the text, and then we'll dive in. Some of Jesus' instructions to the 12 and to us. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. And this morning, in that verse right there, we're going we're gonna to talk about uh, just uh, one principle uh, for going out and, and sharing the message. And that's principle number seven, uh, which is we are to go declaring and displaying the kingdom. We are to go declaring and displaying the kingdom. Now, Matthew writes, as you go. I like that. I like that Jesus tells them, as you go. In other words, hey, don't wait till you get to a specific destination to proclaim the kingdom. Instead, declare the message as you go. In other words, let the message of the kingdom be a part of who you are, wherever you are. And what was that message? The kingdom of heaven has come near. I understand Jesus gave them a very simple and clear message. As you go, proclaim this message. It's the same message, by the way, that that John the Baptist proclaimed in Matthew chapter 3, verse 2, when he came thundering in the wilderness after 400 years of silence from God, he proclaimed, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. It's the same message that Jesus proclaimed when he began his ministry in Matthew 4, verse 17, when Jesus said the very same thing. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. As you go, proclaim this message, the kingdom of heaven has come near. Okay, is that it, Lord? (laughs) Yeah, just this clear and simple message that the kingdom has come near, that the kingdom is now at hand. Now understand, there were many other issues that the 12 may have wanted to address, like Roman oppression, like ungodly religious leaders, like corrupt politicians like Herod, like the sinful, immoral pagan culture that surrounded them on every side, a culture that was more ungodly than, than we are, even though we're trying real hard to catch up to it. But listen, their commander did not want them to get distracted by those things, so he sent them out with a specific message Repent, for the king of heaven has come near. I understand, we too have been giving a clear and simple message, the gospel. And sure, there are other issues that we may want to talk about. But listen, the gospel is the real issue when the enemy has surrounded us, when there is a famine in our land, what we need is the good news of God's deliverance. And now Paul wrote the following to a, a group of Jesus followers in Corinth who were often distracted by things of the world and by lesser things. And he tried to get them to focus on what really matters. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he says, Now brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you. 
what you received and on what you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you. Otherwise, you believed in vain. The word I receive, I pass on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. So what is the clear and simple message that we are to take into the world? Like, what is the message that is of first importance? It's the gospel, right? That Jesus lived, that Jesus died, and that Jesus rose again. The good news that because of his death, burial, and resurrection, our sins can be forgiven. We escape the wrath of God. The good news that we can have a living hope. The good news of an inexpressible and glorious joy. The good news of a peace beyond understanding. The good news that captives are being set free, the oppressed are finding relief, the lonely are finding family. That's the message we're to preach. Now, I'm not saying that we're never to address issues of sin, corruption, immorality, and justice. Like there's a time and place for doing just that. However, we're to tether our, our message, we're to anchor our preaching to that which is of first importance, the gospel of Christ. See, the gospel must never take a backseat to any issue. And listen, if we're not careful and focused, we could find ourselves being distracted by secondary things. Have you ever been distracted by things lesser than the gospel? And you forget, like, why we're here to begin with? It's kind of like going to the grocery store. You know, there have been times I've gone to the grocery store to get a loaf of bread. And I go to the grocery store and I grab one of these. They let me use this, by the way. Yeah, I didn't steal it. I say, Lynn, can I borrow one of these for tomorrow? I didn't steal it. I snuck it in my cart. But, you know, you grab one of these and, and you're going for the bread, right? But the bread's not up front. And there's been times I've gone to the store and I was like, oh, that looks good. That looks good. Oh, that's on sale. That looks good. And I get home and realize that what? I, for, I forgot the bread. And see, as Christians, we got this great message, the gospel. And there's, there's other issues. I'm not saying they're not important, but... We get distracted by that, and we forget the bread. We get distracted by these other issues, and we forget what the main issue is, and the main issue we're to take out into the world is the gospel. I mean, how many things can be of first importance? One, and listen, when we move away from preaching the gospel to preaching against the symptoms of its absence, we're not helping lost people come to Christ. I'm going to say that again. When we move away from preaching the gospel to preaching against the symptoms of its absence, we are not helping lost people come to Christ. Listen, constantly railing against a Christless worldview seldom wins people to Jesus. Now, I'm not saying that we never take a stand and speak out against sin. I'm not saying that at all. Because there is a time to 
to speak against false teaching. There's a time to, to call out ungodly behavior, to call out sexual morality, to call out abortion, to call out racism, to call out injustice for what they are, that they're sins against a holy and righteous God. In fact, most of the New Testament does just that. But they always got first things first. And here's the bottom line. Our, our task is not to become experts at preaching against all that is wrong in the world. Anybody good at that? And those politicians, this government, those this, those that, media, Hollywood, you name it. But rather become experts at preaching about all that is right with God in Christ. Amen? You see, we're not going to experts in the glory and in the beauty and the excellence and the superior worth and value of the person of God expressed in Jesus. That's our message, right? And sometimes people think they're all about this. We, that we preach so loud sometimes about these other things that no one knows that we really care about the gospel. We're to lead with the gospel. Amen? Jesus said in John 12, 32, that if he's lifted up, he will draw all men to himself. Again, don't be an expert in all that is wrong. Be an expert in all that is right. Be an expert on Jesus. Be, be an expert on the beauty of the gospel. Be an expert on Jesus' love. Be an expert on grace. Be an expert on forgiveness. Be an expert on his person. Be an expert on his presence. Be an expert on his compassion. Get it? Good. Don't be distracted. Before we move on onto what it means to display the king, we're to declare the kingdom and we're to display the kingdom. But let me give some free marriage advice. Don't be an expert in all that is wrong in your spouse. Instead, be a champion and all that is right in them. Amen? Right? I mean, instead of, oh, let me think of all the ways my spouse ain't measuring up. You know? Where's that going to get you? But how about being a champion and all that's right in them? I guarantee if we would have, all of us would adopt this principle, it would make a, how about every relationship? Right? Hey, how about the church? Instead of being an expert, all that is wrong with my church. <laughs> How about being a champion, all that is right in your church? Amen, right? All that is, this can change everything, right? It changes our mindset. That was free. So, so we're to proclaim and declare the message, and we're to display the kingdom. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons, freely you have received, freely give. If you remember, we noticed several times that the 12 guys that Jesus chose to be his apostles were not rock stars, right? Poor blue-collar guys, ordinary Jewish families, fishermen, tax collectors, no formal training in religion. Like they were definitely, Jesus bought some fixer-uppers, right? <laughs> you know, he bought some fixer-uppers. They had some stuff that needed to be taken care of. And so why in the world when these fixer-uppers came into their community, would anyone believe their message? Because Jesus had given them the power to do the very same things 
that he did that validated his message. And listen, in healing and raising and cleansing and in driving out, they were in fact giving people a taste, they're giving them a preview of the future kingdom. That one day will come to this earth when the king returns and makes all things new. Now, now they weren't giving people the whole meal. They kind of came out with a sample platter outside the restaurant. You go, whoa, that's good. <laughs> you know, I wonder what the whole meal tastes like. But in doing so, they were putting the kingdom and its power and beauty on display. Because in the forever kingdom that's coming, when God's kingdom is fully established, there's no more diseases to heal. There'll be no more dead to raise up. Uh, No more impurity to be cleansed. No more evil to be cast out. So they got a taste. Our commander says, go declaring and displaying my kingdom. We're to declare the simple and clear message about the kingdom. And then we're to put the kingdom on display just like the 12 did. Giving, we're to give people a taste of what the kingdom is like. How do we do this? Like, are, are we to go to the ICU room after church and heal sick people? Are we to go to the graveyard down the road and raise people from the dead? Like, like what validates, what backs up our claim? What backs up our message? Like, in other words, how will they know that we're for real? How do we display the kingdom? I, I think in three ways. The way that we love each other, the lives that we live, and the compassion that we demonstrate. See, we display the kingdom by the way that we love each other. Jesus put it this way, that night in the upper room. A, a new command I give you, it's new because you have an example like you never had before. It's new because you have the Holy Spirit going to be in you to help you like you never had before. New command I give you, love one another as I love you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. I understand, in a world that, for the most part, is clueless about what it really means to love another person. Uh, the way that his church genuinely loves and cares for each other puts the kingdom of God on display. Like, that's what relationships can look like? That's what love's supposed to be? When we put on display and demonstrate this love for one another, that Paul wrote about at 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It's not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil. It rejoices with truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. See, Jesus says that when the world encounters us in this room and Christ followers across the world and they see that this is how we love each other, we see that 
people love each other this way, people who maybe in the world wouldn't even be friends. Right? Do you think the tax collector and the zealot, Simon, would have been friends back then? No. But see, the beauty of the church is people out in the world who would normally be enemies come into church and the lion actually lies down with the lamb. And the world sees that and goes, there's got to be something to this. Amen? We display the kingdom by how we love each other and by the lives that we live. A couple of passages, then we'll talk about the life that we live. Uh, Paul said this in Philippians. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. Turn to the person next to you. No. <laughs> That's funny. Not. Some of you wish I would let you do that, right? Do everything. Dear. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. Children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you'll shine like stars in the sky. And according to Psalm 19, uh, what do the stars in the sky do? The heavens declare the glory of God. And listen, our lives, the way we live our lives, are meant to declare the glory of God. Amen? They're meant to declare the glory of God. And, 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 and Paul, I won't read it now. You can look at it when you get home. You can look at, at Galatians uh, Galatians chapter 19 through 23 where Paul talks about you know, the, the, the acts of the sinful nature and the fruit of the Spirit. Listen, when our lives are just as jacked up as the world is, when our lives are full of hatred and discord and envy and jealousy and factions and sexual immorality and fits of rage, we're not displaying the kingdom at all, are we? And we're just like the world. But when we're full of the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, like, like when you go to work, your school, your neighborhood, and you put on display love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, self-control. You know what? When you do that, you know what you're doing? You're displaying the kingdom. When you go to work and you're patient, when you, want, when you don't want to be patient, you're putting the kingdom of God on display. Oh, that's how you can live life. Oh, that's how you treat other people. That's how you respond to hurt. That's what you do when someone wrongs you. That's how you deal with, oh, that's how you deal with criticism. That's how you respond to difficult circumstances. That's how you act when the server gets your order wrong at the restaurant. Oh, that's how you do it. You see, we put the kingdom on display by the way we live our lives, though not perfectly, but every day is an opportunity to put the king God on display. By the way we love each other, we can do better. Amen? By the lives that we live, we can do better. There's always room for improvement. And then by the compassion that we demonstrate. When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were hurting and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. What do you see when you look at the crowds? I don't always see sheep without a shepherd. 
I see people, they need to get their act together. Well, if they didn't do this, didn't do that, they wouldn't be there. In Luke 10, he tells the story of the Good Samaritan. You can read Luke 10 about an unlikely guy helping a guy he would supposedly never help, Samaritan helping a Jew, a neighbor in need, and Jesus simply said, go and do likewise. James, one of Courtney's favorite verses, religion that our God accepts is pure and faultless, is that perfect attendance at church. Read your Bible every day. Drop your offering into plate. Not that that's not important. But look after the orphans and widows in their distress. They keep oneself from being polluted by the world. See, going and doing likewise, looking after the orphan and the widows, serving the hurting and the helpless, caring for the least of these, it displays the kingdom of God. Like, that's one of the reasons we do Compassion Sunday, right? Because, remember, our job is not just to know God, but to make him known, right? And so we want to make him known. It's not about us being great. It's about him being great. And Compassion Sunday is about us going to Ronald McDonald House, going to the Laurels, helping a widow downtown, helping a camp that's helping troubled teens have a camp for them in the summer. Whatever the project is, helping a widow, whatever the project is, we're going there to put the kingdom of God on display. We Showing, hey, this is what God is like. God is a God who cares. God is a God who reaches out and helps people. We're showing what the God is like. We're putting came on display. This is what God is like. I've always liked this story. After World War II, like Europe is in ruins. And like one of the saddest sights would be like the orphan children starving in the war-torn streets. And as the story goes, I don't know if it's true, I wasn't there. Uh, uh, but early one morning in London, an American soldier is driving his Jeep, and he notices a, a young child about six or seven standing with his nose pressed the window of a baker shop, watching them make donuts. And the soldier pulls over, and he gets out where the boy is, and he says, hey, would you like some of those donuts? And the boy said, yeah, I sure would. And the soldier goes in, he he buys a dozen donuts, he brings it out and says, here you go, and, and then he walks off. And, and then he fills a, a tug on the back of his uniform, and the little boy says, mister, are you God? And, and you know, when we go out and help people that really need our help, no, we're not God, but we, we represent him. We represent him. We're making him known. Amen. Amen. We're to go according to instruction from our commander, our judge, and our great physician, declaring the simple and clear message, man, let's fight the distractions. Don't let social media distract you. Like, if your social media is full of posts, more posts if you're even on social media, that 
You're, you're, you're dogging on the government. You're dogging on the world. You're dogging on everything else. And not a whole lot of how awesome God is. You, you need to do a reset. You need to do a reset. Uh, you know, make sure you're talking much about the kingdom. Not that those things aren't important, but we can get distracted. I can get distracted. I don't know about you. By lesser things, lesser issues. And people think that's what we're about. No, we're not about those things. We're about the gospel, the gospel of Jesus that takes care of the things that we're most concerned about anyhow. And that's all we have time to unpack this morning. That's why I said we're only doing two verses. Uh, next week, I'm going to give you a preview, a sample. I'm going to give you the points since I put them in your outline. And, and here, here's what we're going to look at as we wrap up this chapter, hopefully. Uh, the eighth principle, we're to trust in God's provision. That would be Matthew 10, 9 through 11. And then Matthew 10, 12 through 14, where we can expect to experience both acceptance and rejection as we go out. And then it's time to go to principle number 10. We need to always keep in mind the cost of rejecting the message. Matthew 10, verse 15. I want to close reminding us of something... uh, A bunch of lepers said one day, isn't it crazy? Didn't these guys knew that, I'm sure they didn't imagine that 2,500 years later in Charlottesville, Virginia, that people would be talking about them, outcast, right? Talk about unlikely people, right? A bunch of lepers and outcast. But, but I, I want to close with when they finally hit them, it may have hit us. May it hit me, may it hit you when we go, as we celebrate. I love my, I love grace, I love my forgiveness. Thank you, Jesus. You're here when I need you. You're awesome, you're amazing, you're my help. You're building my life. You turn things around. You're faithful to provide. You're writing my story, yes. But may we realize what we're doing is not good if we're keeping it to ourselves. Man, we should rejoice in our salvation. We should celebrate it more than we do but we're not to keep it to ourselves. And so I just want to encourage you, pray for one. Pray for that person every single day. Pray to know who that person is and have your eyes open for opportunities to bring other people into the kingdom. And this week, don't get distracted. Declare the simple message and look for ways to display the kingdom. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. God, thank you for your word, for its truth. God, thank you that you would take messed up people like us and use us to declare the greatest news. It's even a greater news than the fact that our enemies left and we got food and gold for everyone. Uh, The greatest news of all time, you allow us to declare it. And God, this week I pray that you will help us to, the way we love each other and the The way we live our lives and the compassion we demonstrate, help us to put the beauty of your kingdom on display so people will know who you are. May we not be content with just knowing you, but we're driven with a passion to make you known. In Jesus' name.